Thank you for joining us for the True Life Fellowship Church podcast. Here is today's message from Pastor Devon Alexander. Open your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. Meet me at verse 8. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8. We find the words of John the Apostle, the beloved disciple, as he is famously known as, the disciple whom Jesus loved, as he's also known as. He writes these words here in verse 8. He says, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Come on, somebody shout, God is love. Come on, put it in the comments and in the chat. God is love. God is love. Now, I want to remind you that God doesn't just have love. God is love. Love is who God is. He is love. And in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, the Apostle Paul describes love as patience and kindness. It says God is patient. Or I'm sorry, love is patient. Love is kind. If God is love, you can interchange that word love and say God is patient and God is kind. And so we know that love is described as patience and kindness, and God is love. Like I said, he doesn't just have love. He is love. It's who he is. And I want to make this statement to you this morning, and I, I heard this statement at four in the morning, Wednesday, I jumped out of bed. Stacy says, where, where are you getting out of bed? I said, I heard the Lord speak to me, and I got to write it down, or I'll forget it in the morning when I wake up. And I heard the Lord say this to me. He said, you can't have God without love, but you can have love without God. I heard that in my heart. You can't have God without love, but you can have love without God. And we see love without God throughout our entire society. For example, uh, every sexual sin is some form of love, which is lust, without God. Uh, in, in Proverbs chapter 6, matter of fact, let's look at the screen. Proverbs chapter 6, and we look at verse 16. It says, there are six evil gods truly hates, and the seventh is an abomination to him. Verse 17, putting others down while considering yourself superior. That's pride. That's love for yourself. That's, God's not involved in pride. Spreading lies and rumors. Gossip. Love to tell stories. Spilling the blood of innocent, of the innocent. Murder. Love to kill. Plotting evil in your heart toward another. Gloating over what's, uh, gloating over doing what's plainly wrong. Spouting lies and false testimony and stirring up strife between friends. These are entirely despicable to God. Uh, There are people right now in relationships that are saying that they're in love and that God is a part of this when God has nothing to do with that. There are adultery relationships and homosexual relationships and and relationships that God, they say it's love, but God has nothing to do with that because you can't have God without love, but you can have love without God. And notice in these verses I just read that God doesn't hate people. He despises the action. But he doesn't hate the person. 
I, I need you to get this. God, listen, God hates adultery, but he doesn't hate the adulterer. God hates fornication, but he doesn't hate the fornicator. God hates, listen to me, homosexuality, but he doesn't hate the homosexual. I, I need for you to hear that again, because sometimes us as Christians, we kind of mingle them to that. Well, we just, we hate them. We don't hate anybody. God doesn't hate anybody, but the sin he despises. The sin is an abomination. And what the world likes to do is the world likes to celebrate, for example, homosexuality. They celebrate homosexual, but they care nothing about the homosexual. They, they, they celebrate uh, adultery, but they care nothing about the adulterer. I was reading an article just recently, and this, this lady has gone through a lot. She's a celebrity. I mean, she's almost killed herself several times. She's alcoholic, drugs. She's got mental issues going on. She's got a lot of issues going on. God loves her. A lot of issues, and now she doesn't know her sexuality. This is all due to the issues that she's going through. She doesn't know her sexuality any longer, and she's being celebrated for her indecision in what's occurring in her life because the world loves that, but they don't love the person. And this is what I want to get you to see, that God despises the activity, but he loves the individual. Each and every person he loves. We find that in John chapter 3, verse 16, for God so loves the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God so loved the world. He's talking about people. He so loved, not just loved, so loved the world that he did something. His love compelled him to do something. Love always gives. You, you, you can't have love without giving. Because you're either going to get patience or you're going to give kindness. You can't have love without giving and you can't have God without love. And so he so loved the world that he gave the one thing that he only had one of, his only begotten son. He could have gave you a planet, could have gave you a tree, but he gave you the thing that he had one of, his only begotten son, that whosoever believes there might be a chance that somebody believes this. That whosoever believes should not perish or should not be separated from God or this love that he has for us, but have everlasting life. God loves people. Say it out loud. God loves people. But there are actions of people that God hates. He doesn't like overeating. Uh, There's a lot of actions that that God hates. He doesn't like lying. He despises lying. He hates lying. He loves the liar, but he hates the lying. He loves people. And this love is is something that uh, Jesus introduced to us. Uh, It's called agape love, which is unconditional love. So God so loved the world unconditionally that means uh, it, it was, it's, it's self-sacrifice. It means uh, it's a love by choice and not by chance. He didn't fall in love with the world. He chose to love individuals and people. It's his choice. It's a love that's all giving. 
Uh, it's a love that, you know, that it's like the old Janet Jackson song, you know, what have you done for me lately? This love doesn't ask that question. What have you done for me lately? It's an unconditional love. This love doesn't even need feelings in order to operate in. So your feelings can get hurt, and this agape love will continue to love even though you feel a certain way. This love is unconditional. It's always giving, and it is unselfish in every single way. And this is the unconditional love that God has for humanity. He loves humanity. I mean, he loves humanity so very much that before he even established the foundation of the world, the Hebrews tells us that Jesus was crucified before the foundation of the world. He had the solution before he even created the planet. And the solution was to save mankind. He loves us so very much. And then there's something that happens in the salvation experience to where God loves you, but then when you give your life to him and then you begin to say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life and I'm yours to command, then he adopts us as sons and daughters. And this love for us as sons and daughters goes deeper than just love for everybody. You know what? I love my family. I love my wife, I love my kids, and I love you. I love you. But if you would attack one of my family members, my love for my family is going to defend them against you. Are you listening to me this morning? And so this is the kind of love that God has. Yes, he loves the world, he loves humanity, but there's something special about his children. There's something special about his sons and daughters. He goes to bat for his sons and daughters. He defends his children. He stands up for his children. Yes, he loves the world, but he loves you and I. And we have known and believed the love that he has for us. Come on, somebody shout, he loves me. Shout it again, he loves me. Shout it one more time, he loves me. Not because you're lovable, but because... He chose to love you, not because you're so good, but because he has chosen to love you, not because you do everything right. It's because he has chosen to love you. Somebody shout, he loves me. Now, in John chapter 17, verse 23, John 17, 23, Jesus is talking here, and I encourage you to read the whole, the entire chapter of John 17, but he says, I and them and you and me, that they may, may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Now, this is so powerful. Jesus is, is declaring, and it's been written for our benefit to understand that God's love for us is exactly the same as his love for Jesus. Now, think about this for a moment. God loves you exactly the same as he loves Jesus. Let me say it again. God loves you exactly the same as he loves Jesus. I feel in my heart I got to say it one more time. God loves you exactly the same 
as he loves Jesus. There's another passage of scripture in John, I believe it's chapter 16. He talks about there, the father himself loves you. And so Jesus is telling us that God loves you individually exactly like he loves the Lord Jesus Christ. And see, sometimes in our minds, we can think, well, he loves Jesus because what? Jesus was his firstborn son, and Jesus never did anything wrong, and he never missed a mark, and he never made a mistake, and he always did it the will of the Father, and he was up all night praying, and sometimes I'm asleep, and, and he didn't overeat, and he didn't get into any sexual sin, and he didn't get into go through depression, and he didn't have suicidal thoughts, and he didn't have, you know, pain in his body, and it's so easy to love Jesus. I submit to you that even though you might be contending with any and everything I just stated, he loves you the exactly same as he loves Jesus. Say this after me. God loves me as much as he loves Jesus. Now, this is important because did Jesus ever lack while he was on the earth? Never. And if God loves you the same as he loves Jesus, then we can be sure that we don't have to lack while we're on the earth because the same love that he has for Jesus, he has for me too. Glory to God. Did God, did did Jesus ask for anything on the earth that God didn't give him? No. Jesus, whatever Jesus requested on the earth, God gave him because his confidence was in, I am here to do the will of God. I am here to do what God has required me to do. My heart is tied in with the word of God and the will of God. And whatever I ask him, he's going to provide because it's in continuity with his will. Well, likewise, you and I, if our heart is to do the will of the Father and our heart is to do what God wants us to do and our heart is to fulfill the purpose that he has for each and every one of us, then God will provide for us the same that he did for Jesus. God will answer my request exactly like he answered the request of Jesus because there is no different love. It is the same. If you are believing for healing in your body, you have every right to receive the substitutionary sacrifice of the work of Jesus the Christ on the cross for your healing because by his stripes you were healed. Jesus got on the cross so that you can be healed. Don't walk around sick saying God gave it to me when Jesus took it away for you to walk around well and healthy and whole in your body, in your mind, in your relationships, and in your wallets. Hallelujah. Jesus paid the price, and God's love for us was so strong that he said, Jesus, you take all of their sin on the cross. Take it all. Every mishap, every mistake, every bad decision, take it every shameful thought, Every action you take it on the cross, crucify it on the cross, you die in their place. And in exchange, I'm going to give them life and life more abundantly. Come on, somebody say, that's mine. Somebody say, I'll take it. Somebody say, I'll have it. This is for you. And it's the same love that God has for Jesus that he has for you. You are God's child, and God has a bountiful heart towards you. 
I looked up this word bountiful. It means plenty, lavish, and generous. God has a plentiful, lavish, and generous, bountiful heart towards you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. The whole Bible is about the love that God has for you, not just the world. Now it's more specific. It's a love that he has for you individually. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, Ephesians chapter 1, 5 and 6, in the Passion Translation, it says, For it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children. Through our union with Jesus, the anointed one, so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace for the same love he has for his beloved one, Jesus, he has for us. And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. Let's take a look at that again. Look at verse verse 5. It was always in his perfect plan. This was always his plan to adopt us. It was always his plan to adopt us. And I want to just take a moment to talk about this word adoption. If you're not familiar with this word adoption, I want to share it with you. Essentially, essentially it just means that you were not birthed by a, a set of parents and another set adopted you and gave you all of the same rights and privileges as if you were born into that family. So even to the point where they change your last name. So I wasn't born into this particular family, but a family adopted me. And I have all the rights and privileges of that family. Likewise, we were all born into sin. All of us born into sin. But when we gave Jesus control of our life and say, take our heart, Lord, and use it as you see fit. I'm yours to command. Then he adopted us, or better yet, he adopted our bodies. He adopted us and then gave us every single right and privilege that Jesus had. He gave it to us, every last one of them, every last one. The the, the power to heal the sick has been transferred to you. The power to pay, it's tax time, the power to pay your taxes. Hey, uh, Peter then went fishing and there was money in the mouth of the fish to pay their taxes. Somebody say miraculous. <laughs> that, that's all, all that is an example of the miraculous. God can miraculously pay your taxes. Glory be to God. Every right and privilege that Jesus had, you have as well. And you are God's child. Say, I'm God's child. Say this after me too. Say, God has a bountiful heart towards me. Now, now listen, the gospel is this. You are more sinful and flawed in yourself than you ever dared believe. Yet, at the very same time, you are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than you ever dared hope. That's the gospel. In yourself, notice I said in yourself. In yourself, you are more sinful and flawed in yourself than you've ever dared believe. But in Christ, 
you are more loved and accepted than you ever dared hope. Man, I saw that quote. I don't know who said it, but I saw that quote and it ignited something in me. I, I grew up in a, in a house, uh, a two-parent home. Uh, um, man, they, I was loved. I was loved. I had great parents. I, I have great parents, glory to God. They're still living today and doing well. And man, I was loved. I, they, they treated me right. I always felt accepted, always felt loved. You know, everything's not perfect, but I always felt, you know, that I was loved by my folks. And when I was thinking about this statement that in Christ, I'm even more loved than I ever dared hope, man, it just began to change the way I think. I came from a loving household, and some of you didn't. Some of you came from a household that wasn't so loving, and you think, how can God love me when the, the example of my, my parents were so wrong that if my parents don't love me, man, God doesn't love me. No, I'm submitting to you that God loves you. And, and your parents may have been a bad example, but God still loves you. And you went through those things, and I guarantee you, you are stronger than you even realize for going through that heartache. You're tougher than you even know for even going through that mess that you went through you are strong and you're tough, and I submit to you, you, you learn more about yourself going through that that you didn't even know. And if you trust God, he'll begin to reveal to you more about his love for you that you didn't even realize. Somebody say, he loves me. Yes. Say it again, he loves me. Yes. A deeper revelation of his love for you will destroy limitations and lack in your life. A deeper revelation of his love for you will destroy limitations and lack in your life. Faith, Galatians tells us, faith works by love. Faith is confidence, trust, believing in God. Faith works by love. And so your faith is going to work in direct correlation to how much you realize you're loved by God. Think about that. Your faith is going to work in direct relationship and correlation with how much you recognize that you are loved by God. Someone asked the question, well, you know, so-and-so seems like they have a lot of faith. Well, why does it seem like they have a lot of faith? I submit to you, they have a greater revelation of how much they're loved by God than you do. And it should be a preview, an example of increasing your understanding of how much you are loved. And when you increase your, your understanding of it, you'll begin to realize that God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that, he, that you ask or think because of the power that works in you. If you read that chapter, that power that works in you is the love of God. When you recognize and understand the love of God that's working in you, then you will understand that I can have faith in God. I can have confidence in God. I can, I can boldly go where no man has gone before without the fear of, well, what if I fail? What if I miss the mark? What if I mess up? Or, I, you know what? I can, I can go for that job. Uh, well, you don't have any experience. It doesn't matter. God loves me and I'm going to apply for it. I'm going to let the love of God get me that job and I'm going to, and they can train me 
hallelujah, to do the work that God has for me to do. This is the love. When you understand that you are loved, you understand the confidence that you have in him. I'm loved by God, so no virus can can get on my body and kill me because I'm too loved by God. I'm too loved. I'm too loved, and, and I got a purpose to fulfill and a plan and a destiny. to. And now I'm going to walk in wisdom, but I'm also not going to walk in fear because perfected love casts out fear. So when you recognize I'm loved by God, and that love that God has for me is a defense towards anything that tries to come against me. Church, the Lord told me to remind you. He said, remind them how much I love them. Remind them how much I love them. I went through a season of my life that I, I exercised and developed and, and perfected. I'm not perfect, but I perfected, which means developed, perfected the love that he has for me. And I used to say a hundred times a day, my father loves me. I would say it a hundred times a day. My father loves me. My father loves me. I wouldn't tell everybody that I would say it to myself. My father loves me. You know, I didn't get on the phone and say, hey, let me tell you something. My father loves me. And I didn't do all that. Hey, you stranger at Walmart, my father loves me. I, I didn't do that. I was just telling myself that. My father loves me. My father loves me. Because 1 John 4, 18 tells us. Matter of fact, Jeannie, let's put that on the screen, the New King James Version. 1 John 4, 18. It, it describes to us, and before I get into 1 John 4, 18, I need for you to understand that John is the one that we're talking about who wrote these passages of Scripture who he actually wrote five epistles. He wrote the Gospel of John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and the Revelation of Jesus the Christ. This man knows something about love. This man has experience with love. He's got experience with Jesus. He knows something about love. I mean, he's the disciple whom Jesus loved, the beloved one. He knows something about the love of God. And if you're ever struggling with the love of God, I encourage you to read 1 John chapter, the whole book of 1 John but especially chapter four, first John chapter four. But, you know, just read the whole book. You got time. Read the whole book. It's only five chapters. First John, and you will sense how much God loves you. But look at verse 18 of first John four, verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Keep that on the screen and let's break this down. There is absolutely no fear in love. Years ago, I um, living at home, I was probably 10, 11 years old. I watched some scary movie that I shouldn't have watched. And I went to bed that night and all of a sudden I started hearing things in the room. You know what I'm talking about. And I started hearing things. I thought someone was under the bed. And um, the first thing I did was I ran to my parents' room. Why did I run to my parents? Because I know that they love me. And I know in their presence there's no fear. They will defend me from that thing under my bed. I know that they love me. And so there's no fear in love. So what should you do when you have fear? Uh, You run to the one who loves you. You run to the one who, ha- who, who gave his life for you. You run to the one who's thinking about you because perfect love casts out fear. That word perfect means developed or mature or love that you are cultivating will cast out fear. That word cast out also means flushes out. Will literally get rid of fear 
And I hope this is not too crude, but I want you to get you the example. It's like flushing the toilet. Fear leaves when you flush the toilet. This is what love will do. Love will flush out the fear, but you have to develop the love that God has for you in order for the fear to be flushed out. If you don't cultivate it and develop it, the fear will reside on the inside of you. It will always challenge you on how much God loves you, and then you will be paralyzed. You won't move. You won't take a risk. You won't do anything because you don't know how much you love because the fear has overtaken you. So you have to get rid of the fear. And you don't get rid of the fear by praying. You get rid of the fear by cultivating the love that God has for you. Pray for me, Pastor. I'm so afraid. That, 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 don't, that don't help. I can say some nice words. But what helps is understanding how much you're loved will cast out the fear. Why? We all know this. Fear involves torment. Fear, fear has torment, mental anguish, uh, attacking of the mind. I mean, you're tormented when you are in fear. I mean, you can't get settled. You can't go to sleep. You, you can't, some people can't leave their house. I mean, there, there's this torment of fear that's happening because of their lack of understanding how much they're loved. Watch, he says it's because he who fears has not been made perfect in love. And what John is simply telling us here is if you have fear, that shows that you haven't developed and cultivated the love that God has for you. If there's fear in, in your life, that's an area in your life that you have to develop God's love. It could be provisional. It could be health. It could be uh, taking a risk. It, it, it could be mental. It could be in your marriage, whatever the case may be. If there's a fear in, in any area of my life, that's the first thing I look at. I haven't developed God's love for me in that area. And there's so, I could stand up here all day and tell you areas in my life that I've had to contend with fear. I literally had to confront it, realize I was in fear, confront it, and say, I've got work to do. I've got to develop God's love for me to the point that my mind believes it. See, your, your spirit man believes your love because it's created in the image of God. You, your spirit man and the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit is in your spirit. You, man, it's connected. You're one. Glory to God. But your mind is struggling. And this is why the best thing for a person to do is to give their life to Jesus. The second best thing for them to do is to change the way they think. Change their mind, change the way they think, and you have to develop God's love for you in your mind because, let's be honest, we've been let down. We've been disappointed. People we've trusted has let us down. They've been, uh, they've been illustrations that, uh, that we thought of God's love, and they've let us down. They've missed the mark with us. They treated us wrong. They stabbed us in the back. Uh, they've disappointed us, and, and we've said, man, God must feel the same way about me. I could stand up here all day. I got stories going under my mind right now while I'm talking, the debating if I should tell stories or not. But I can tell you that I remember, well, I'll tell this story. felt a release to tell this story. Many of you know, I grew up a young man. Um, I felt called to pastor, didn't really want to pastor uh, when I felt called. I felt called to pastor since this call around 11 years old or so. But I thought, man, I, don't, I, I really, well, I thought I was going to pastor at 11, right? I thought, God called me, Pastor Tyler, that was my pastor. Tyler. Come on, I'm ready. Put me up there. Little did I know, I was nowhere near being ready. As I got older, I didn't even want to do it. You know, I, I, don't want, I don't want a pastor. You know, I just, you know, 
just want to, uh, you know, do what, you know, come to church if I want, don't come to church if I don't want, you know, act like y'all, you know, <laughs> give if I want, don't give, you know, just kind of act like you guys, that's what I want to do, right, come in when I feel like it, don't come when I don't, get mad at the pastor, lead the church, you know, I want, I want to act like y'all, but the Lord had higher plans for me, praise the Lord, and so, here I am, I'm working for a ministry, a well-known ministry. You know, I'm working and, and man, loving it, enjoying it, working there. And next thing you know, out of the blue, I get fired. I get fired. I'm like, what? I didn't even have any write-ups or anything. I get fired. Immediately, I took that as, well, God, God don't want me to be in ministry. This is a sign from God. You know, and this a lot of y'all have done this thing too. It's a sign from God they don't want me to be in ministry, and and you know what? That's fine. I'll just do something else. You know, and uh, I don't I don't want to be in ministry. If you get fired from ministry, then maybe God don't want you in the ministry. You know, and and I, hey, I'll just do something else. And and if it wasn't for the love of God and a particular man, an older gentleman that really reached out to me and was like, no, no, listen, that firing was wrong. God has got big plans for you. Don't, don't, that, that's not of God. That, that was wrong, but he's got plans. And, and God told me to tell you he's got plans. And, and this man followed up with me, uh, every, probably monthly. How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? I thank God for him because I'm in the place I am today because that man really believed in me and followed up and made sure that I didn't go off, uh, the wrong path. But here's the point I'm making is these examples are to get you off of God's love for you. These bad things that happen in your life are to get you off of God's love for you. Uh, well, trials come to make you strong. No, trials are coming to kill you. They're coming to eliminate you. If they were coming to make you strong, we all would look like the Incredible Hulk. We'd just be strong and powerful and leaping buildings and flying around and get, every time we get mad, we get stronger. That's not what happens. It's coming to separate you from the love of God. And to eliminate you, it's not coming to make you stronger. Now, what you do with those trials is what makes you stronger. If you use them as like a weight bench and put, and put you know, trouble on, on the left side and shame on the right side and say, I'm going to start working out with it, then you can become stronger with, with the troubles and trials. But they're not coming to make you strong. I don't care what mega pastor tells you there's purpose in your pain for the plan, for the power, the purpose, pain, all they all starts with a P. I don't care. That ain't, that ain't the truth. The purpose of the pain was to eliminate you, to separate you from the love of God. And what you do with that pain is you run to God and you remind yourself, I'm loved. You might get fired. I'm loved by God. They might stab you in the back. I am loved by God. They might cut you off. I'm loved by God. You might miss your, your, your car payment this month. God loves me and he's still going to provide for me. See, faith says I have confidence that God will. And trust says even if he doesn't, I still believe his love. Amen. Say I'm loved. See, when you understand you're loved, you, 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 that's a defense for disappointment. I'm so loved by God. Oh, well, you, well, you didn't get that job. I'm loved by God. Well, man, I tell you what, you didn't get that raise like you thought. Man, I'm, I'm loved by God. Well, that money didn't come in like you thought. Well, I'm, I'm loved by God. And I trust God like the Hebrew boy said in the fiery furnace. 
They said, our God shall deliver us from this mess, right? You remember? Because the king Nebuchadnezzar said, bow down to this uh, golden image. They said, we're not going to do that. Our God ain't going to let us do it. We ain't going to do it. He said, we're going to throw you in the fiery furnace. And, and the people that threw him in the fiery furnace, they died. That's how hot the fire was. But they got in that fiery furnace, and they said, you know what? God's able to deliver us from this fiery furnace. But if he doesn't, we will not bow our knee and serve. That, that's an understanding. I, I was working at a, a particular job, and I might, well, you guys know my story. But I was working at this job, and I hated it. I hated it. Hated this job. I mean, I just hated it. <laughs> and I'm working there, but thank God for a job. And uh, finally, the Lord spoke to me and said to me, your attitude is what's holding you back from going anywhere else. You got a bad attitude. And, you know, you know there's, only thing, there's only one thing you can control, and that's your attitude. And I said, okay, I need to fix my attitude. I fixed my attitude, and I told the Lord, I said, if you want me to work here forever, for the rest of my life, I'm going to work here for the rest of my life with a good attitude. Hated the job, but I changed my attitude. Next thing you know, I'm wiping tables down, people coming up to me like, you got a good attitude about you. I'm like, glory to God, yes. And they slide me a little money in my pocket. You know, just you look like you hopping around here, you look like you got a good attitude. It, it wasn't because I like working there. It was because I said, I got to change my attitude. I'll work here the rest of my life. It was what, three weeks after I made that statement, changed my attitude, I get promoted, so on and so forth, a new job, so on and so forth. Listen, when you get to the place where you understand, God's not forgotten about me. Say, God's not forgotten about me. He hasn't forgotten about you. Listen, there, there are, I just, I just, I need to tell you this, but there are, your latter shall be greater than your former. Some of you think, well, I'm too old or I'm, I'm too far or, or, you know, gosh, I let time slip away. Your latter days shall be greater than your former days. I heard a man talking recently. He, he, he was in his 60s and he said, he said in his 60s is the best time of his life ever. And he thought, man, when I hit 60, you know, it's all over. It was, he said, in 60, he won a Nobel Peace Prize after 60. He won all these rewards. It was in his 60s. That was the best time. And I thought, I turned the stage. I said, my goodness, us too. Amen. Our sisters are going to be better than our 30s and in our 40s. Glory to God. Hallelujah. When you see, you, when you understand that the, you, let me just say this to you. I'm going to say it to you because I sense the Lord saying that you got time. I know most people, you, you ain't got enough time. You got time. You got time. You got time. Now, don't waste it. But you got it. Some of us getting all upset because stuff ain't happened by a certain period of time and, and I'm all bent out of shape and, and I can't believe this ain't happened by the end. Man, God ain't finished with you yet. You got time, glory be to God. That, that whatever you believe in God for is in your future and guess what? God is also in your future. Hallelujah. He's in my future and I'm believing for him, and he's there already, and he's already prepared whatever it is I'm believing for him, but now in this process, he's preparing me to receive what he's already has set aside for me. Amen. I'm telling you, I, he's preparing me. I'm saying, I'm, I'm getting prepared. <laughs> he's working on me. Say that. Say, he's working with me. Say, he loves me. 
See, and, and I'll read this verse and I'll let y'all go. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17 through 20, Ephesians 3, 17 through 20, it says, then Christ will make his home in your hearts and you can trust in him. Glory to God. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. And look at verse 20. Now all glory to him who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. This is all about the love that God has for us. Hallelujah. A deeper revelation of his love for you will destroy limitations and lack in your life. A deeper revelation. I want to challenge you to go deeper in how much you are loved by God. When I was a kid, we used to sing that song, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know. And I sung that for years, out of just out of my head, you know, just knowledge of the song, Jesus Loves Me. But when something went wrong, I just felt like the love of Jesus didn't, you know, he didn't love me no more. When I lied to the teacher at school, oh, he don't love me no more. And I need to come up and give my life to Jesus again. I used to come up every Sunday and give my life to Jesus. Finally, the pastor said, please don't come up every Sunday. Uh, you, 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 he forgives you. You've missed the mark, but go ahead and receive the forgiveness that's already been established for you. But now it's time that we believe this. I mean, really to the point that no one could change your belief. No event, no circumstance, no situation could change your stance on God loves me. I, let me say it again, I am more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than I ever dared hope. Say that after me. I am more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than I ever dared hope. You have been listening to the ministry of Devon Alexander, pastor of True Life Fellowship Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more information, go to our website at www.truelifefc.org. You can also support this ministry financially through our website. Thank you, and remember to love, learn, live, and lead.